You take our will. You take our life. You are glad to take our life. I thank you, Lord, because you're going to take it every day if we're willing and make something of it. I thank you, Lord, that you will do so much more with our life when we hand it to you than we could ever do on our own. I thank you, Lord, that it is only in you that we have life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. These lights are weird today. Yeah, they're odd. Well, first things first, before I even move right into the word, I just want to say just for one moment that tomorrow we're going to we recognize as a nation Memorial Day, and we just, just want to right now just thank you, God, that we have freedom in this nation. I thank you, Lord, that just the fact that we can do this right here in freedom, we're not underground, we're not in some room as other nations are, hidden away because the nation doesn't allow it. This freedom that we have is because of blood that was shed. I thank you, Jesus, first of all, if we're going to give memorial, we thank you that you paved the way and that, Lord, men and women acted like you, laying their life down as you did for us. They did the same for our freedom. We thank you, God. We just pray right now in Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you for the blood that's been shed, but, Lord, even right now there are many families that are still experiencing this is still fresh. We're still a nation at war, and I just pray for those families right now. We remember, Lord, what you've already done for us in this nation, and we thank you, Lord, that we're going to remain free, Lord, as men and women keep committing. I thank you, God, that you keep calling people to commit to stand up for this nation and for our freedom. Just give you glory, Lord, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, I just thank all the men and women that have lived selflessly for us. Amen. Well, I couldn't have picked a better song to end it with. I didn't know that we were going to go with that song, but that's where I want to go today in our word. Last week during worship, as sometimes God does, sometimes when I, when I go to pray in the back room or uh, right, before, right in worship, I mean, I'll do preparation, and I've got hours into it, and I've got some text, and I've got all that, and then right before, the Lord just starts dropping some new things in my spirit, and so last week, I'm sitting here, and I just started getting filled with this phrase, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, and remember, if you were here last week, I made a big deal about that, That's, that we need to start proclaiming that, we need to know that we can not we can, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Well, I sat down on the front row, and Dawn passes her phone to me and says, look what I ordered you yesterday, this shirt. <laughs> now that, if God, I mean, is God doing signs in your life? Because I can't, it's like one of the most miraculous seasons of my life. Been through lots of seasons, even at my young age, I've been in it. 
a long time, believe it or not, since I was a little boy. So I've seen all kinds of God's stuff, ups and downs. But I'll tell you, this season, he's just making things abundantly clear. I just want to keep seeing clear. I want to keep hearing clear, right? We've been, we were just praying about that. I was praying another couple here the other day. I want to keep seeing clearly. I want God to keep showing us, keep making that way. A couple of weeks ago when I was saying how the Holy Spirit, you're not even really trying to like say, okay, today I'm going to do this, this, and that. You're just going about your day, but because your Holy Spirit led and because he's first, some interesting things start happening in your day and you start seeing the pieces come together in a way that only God can do. So I want to pull open the Bible to Philippians chapter 4. Let's open it up. Let's see what God wants to say with this verse. For him, that is quite a confirmed sign for me. For me to just stand up here and do that. And then that was, so that tells me when God's saying, hey, Adam, this is where I want you to go. So I actually had about five. I told Don I have five different sermons I could preach tomorrow. Like literally five and pretty written already. And I'm like, I'm not sure how to this and that. And I'm like, duh, this is where I need to go. This was one of them. But I'm thinking, you know, it was like, okay, this was a confirmation for me. But I'm like, duh, that's where I need to bring the people. Lord's not going to do that just for me. So I believe God's got something for you today. So just open your ears. In fact, one more prayer really quickly. Thank you, God, that your word is alive. And we pray in Jesus' name right now that the life in your word, not in my mouth, I'm just the mouthpiece, I pray that the life in your word would open deaf ears and open blind eyes right now in Jesus' name. We pray for freedom today from your word, from our bondage, from our past, from anything that is trying to keep us from the freedom that was given to us in Christ Jesus. Amen. So Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. It says, For I can, let's read it together. For I can do everything or all things, right? You may, you may know the new King James one. I can do all things, everything through Christ who gives me strength or who strengthens me who are, or who empowers me. I'm going to say it one more time. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Now, I was meditating on this verse. And as I'll do many times. I'll just spend time just on one verse, just really, Lord, what are you saying? And I started taking down some notes, and I feel like the Lord said something. Isn't it funny, you know, when you take a sentence, you add a comma, you can add a period, you add one word into a sentence. You got to be careful with your text messaging, right? You know, because it, can, it, changes, it changes the meaning sometimes, doesn't it? Right? <laughs> We had a funny story about that this week. That's why we're getting some laughter here, yeah. One of those funny texts, you go on those websites and text, oops. But I feel like the Lord gave me a word that we can add that's in the scripture. We can add one word right here. And I said, Lord, I know that's scriptural, but I can't preach until you give me like the confirmation, which he did and I'm gonna get to. But I'm gonna add one word and watch this scripture come to life. For I can only do, 
Everybody say, only, only do all things through Christ who strengthens me. See, a lot of times we take this verse as when we, we get to the thing that we need to get accomplished. We need to get something done. We've hit a roadblock. We've come to a bridge that needs to be built and we need to move past and we need to get through the Red Sea and so on. You got all these stories, right? In the Old Testament and New Testament, right? You got the, as Paul, we talked, I talked about two weeks ago, sometimes you got some storms that you got to get through and so on. And then that's the time where we say, yeah, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Those are the times. That's not what Jesus wants. It's still a principle that works. It's just like when you're going through a tough time and you come and the saints gather around and we pray, there's power in that prayer for you. But ultimately, what does he want in your life? He wants an everyday believer, in everything believer, and all things believer. You see how all of a sudden that what it says in that scripture, by just adding a word, and I took some license to do that, and I'll, I'll back that up. I won't just leave you with that. I'm not changing God's word. But not just the things that you feel like you need to face that you don't have the strength to, but he wants, Jesus wants you to do all things. Say that phrase again, everything. He wants us to do everything through Christ. Your strength comes from him. The thing is, what's amazing is human will is incredible. God designed us. And even though there, most of this world, 90% plus, does not give credit to God or Jesus Christ. And that's a sad thing. That's nothing for us to think that we're higher or that we're separated, we're special. That should break our hearts. That's all it should do. When we look out at the world, we shouldn't think that we're better or that we've got it, you don't. It should break our hearts that they haven't found life yet. That's the only thing that should occur. But the reality is 90% plus of the world today does not recognize Jesus Christ as their strength. And the reality is, is meanwhile, they're building skyscrapers and bridges that span. We were just, there's a bridge in Japan or China we went over the Chesapeake Bay, you know, we went over that, which is like 17 miles between the bridge and the tunnels, and it's quite a feat. I, we were impressed, we looked it up, and there's a 100-mile bridge, a 100 miles, somewhere out in like, in between China and Japan, if I remember correctly, I'm almost positive. 100 miles, and you know, when man puts his mind to something, when he takes his will and he gathers up the resources and you get the right people together and the right engineers together, man is amazing what he can set out to do. And that's besides, that's just the mental muscle. Then, you know, some of the muscles we see every day in sports and, and uh, the Olympics coming up, that's the physical muscles. And when the things that they say you can't do, you can. That's the military. We gave some credit to them, especially as you get higher up. You start, you got the Marines, right? And then you got these guys that nobody even knows their names. You know, you have, you, your name's been erased from history, 
and you're like these elite black ops forces. And these guys, the main thing they do is the higher up you go, every level up you go, what, what do they do? They tell you, you can do more than you think you can. And they, like, they will actually push you until you can't. They want you to get to the point where you have got nothing left. There's nothing left for you to give to show you that there is one more breath. You ever watch that Surviving the Cut show? There's a show about the special forces and, and these type of, these elites, and they got to swim these enormous distances and hold their breath, and it seems impossible. But they've got one more breath, and they're able to do it. They're showing their, it's the whole point is, obviously only those that can, that are willing to push themselves are going to make it. And some physically have topped out at this point, and that's fine, and they fit in that box. And then there's those that once they realize that, hey, I can do more than I thought I could, and they've trained, and now these guys are fit for a job that nobody ever, and you're a child, you're not going to think that you could ever be able to do these things. You can't, couldn't imagine. You know, a child's like, oh my gosh, you talk about the miles you got to swim or the amount you got to run, let alone now an adult, right? And, then, and they do it. So the point is that man's will when he applies himself, is incredible. It really is God-given, though. I, I started by saying that God made you. There's all that credit should go back to him. And then when you realize, when you get saved, when Jesus Christ becomes the center of your life, and you realize that anything you've ever done is because of his strength. Now, you were willing you paid the price personally. You made the choice. But what do you have that God didn't give you? Where are those breaths coming from? Where are those legs that even in the natural, besides giving glory to God, just in the natural, we look at somebody who doesn't have their use of their legs. Where did they come from? And the reality is, is that Jesus, the true Christian that he's looking for, the true believer is the one that says all things, everything. It's really nothing has changed except your mind realizes who Jesus Christ is. And now, as you are living your life doing just everyday normal stuff that you did, now the life and the strength that was already in you, it was already there, has come to life. And now when you come up to, and, and the reality is, is even all the impossible things that man does, God wants to get you to the place that goes beyond elites, special forces. As, as, as much as man has done, man in all of his strength and all of his will cannot heal a physical body. Man in all of his strength and all of his will, he cannot he can say, I'm going to go out and speak, but he cannot bring the gospel from the Spirit of God. The reality is, is you already owe everything you are to Christ. Everything and all things are already Christ. 
and once, once we get saved, we should recognize that. And what it should do is now we're going through the every days, the every moments, every single thing we face with that mentality so that then when we come up against the things that even man's will cannot accomplish, man's strength cannot accomplish, the day you approach those things, because they will come, right? How many in here? Have at least one person in your friend or your family that is battling a terminal disease. Every single one in here has a friend or a family member, right? And the reality is, is your will, your strength is not going to heal that. There is some will involved and someone just doesn't want to live. There's a part of your will that needs to decide that you want to live. Right, and we we can we've even seen that in some health that it's just a positive like that. Okay, I want to get help, I want to be free, want to get out of here. That actually is physically good, but ultimately, ultimately, there is an impossibility. This is where this verse is usually used, and I the Lord I think really just struck me that you will never see that verse come to life like that in the impossibilities until you recognize it in all the possibilities. We think we're living, we think we've got it all figured out. We think we're doing this and we're doing that and look at me, look at all I've accomplished. We all have somebody in our friends or our family that has done well for themselves. Every single person here is, knows at least one person who's done really well for themselves. And the reality is, is that everything that they have, everything they've accomplished is ready for the, the weight, nothing. It means nothing. It means nothing. The reality is, is we have some amazing feats that we have a name stamped in the ground, a name stamped in stone, a name stamped in steel or whatever. We can stamp it in whatever we want at the bottom of a skyscraper or a bridge, and you give it enough time, and that will be gone. And so will their name. The reality is, is what Jesus wants, the eternal thing, is he wants the everyday. He wants you every single day every single moment, and now in all things. I can only do, and let me make that clear now, what I'm saying. What I'm saying is the only things that matter, does that make some sense? The only things that matter are the things you do through Christ and his strength. And I, I don't know who this is for, but I really felt to share this scripture, John 14, verse 6. You, most of you um, have heard this scripture at some point in your life. But I felt I needed to say this scripture again. Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I couldn't believe it when this is in the song. I am the only life. Again, I'm going to add a word. I am the only way. I am the only truth, and I am the only life. I don't know who that's for, and that's between you and God today, but I really felt I needed to say this with this verse. You need to be so stable and so grounded that Jesus is the only way. There are not many ways 
Jesus said that there, men will say there are many ways. They'll try to come in another way. There is no other way. There is no other life. Anything else, anything you do outside of Christ is meaningless. Anything outside of him. Now, you can raise a family and you can do it it, like people do it without Christ in a Christ way, and I respect that they ro- raise good children. But if Jesus Christ is not the center of that thing, even a good thing, then what are you doing? Raising people to die and go to hell? I know that's a very harsh statement, but if Jesus Christ is not the center, then you're not really ever doing a good thing. You're doing an evil thing. I know that's so harsh. I know that's so sharp. But when Jesus is the center, when you recognize you have to come to terms, he is the only way. He is the only truth and the only life. And again, I'm going to leave that there. I don't know who that's for, but you have to. If, you're, if you haven't decided yet, if you love Jesus, but you say, well, their faith is okay, their way is okay, their beliefs are okay, It's a lie from the pit of hell. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that Jesus is the only way. And once that's grounded in you here, then you know that I wouldn't raise my family any other way. I wouldn't do anything any other way. What what am I going to bring up? What am I trying to produce here on this earth? And I'm going to bring you to John chapter 15, just a few verses over. Verse 4, and many will know this as well. If you hear me preach anytime in a gap of three months, you're going to hear this. You're going to hear me go to John chapter 15 once every three months at least because I love it. It's my favorite, so sorry if you have to hear it again today. But I love this. Jesus says, remain in me or abide in me. Abiding just means to be in him. It's to stay. That's simply what that word means. Remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce, a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine and you cannot, everybody say cannot, This is today's a can-do message, but there are things you cannot do. The things that you cannot do are outside of Christ. You cannot produce fruit outside of him. You cannot do a good thing outside of Christ. I want to say that one more time. I'm going to say that for the CD too. You cannot do a good thing outside of Christ. It's impossible. It's not a good thing. If Christ is not the center, he says, you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. And Mariah, let's pull up verse five. For he says, yes, I am the vine. Jesus talking of himself. He says, I'm the vine and you, everybody say me. I'm the branch. Jesus is the vine. You are the branches and those who remain in Christ if you decide to stay in him, if you've come to him, I love that you're here. 
If you decide to stay in him, if you make that choice to stay in Christ, you've decided, I know he's the truth, and I want to now live my life out that way. That's how I want to live my life. Well, those who remain in me and I in them, you make that decision that Christ is going to be the center of everything you do, every decision you make, all things and everything, that's where I get my strength. My strength in all things and in everything comes from Christ. And when you do that, you will produce, everybody say, much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Like I said, I would back it up. When the Lord speaks something to me and he adds a word in scripture, I'm very careful, cautious, even though it's one little word. It's his word, not mine. And I like just meditating on it and bam, the scripture came to me. Without me, you can do nothing. Now, I want to bring you back into Philippians now. I want to go back to Philippians 4. And with that groundwork laid, I just want to pull up just a few verses before verse 13 and start you in verse 6. What Jesus really wants in your life, what God is truly trying to accomplish by giving you the word. Jesus Christ came and he laid a groundwork. Jesus paved the way for you. And the reason that he preserved it in a book Preserved it in leather. It's now preserved in the internet for all time until electronics are gone. The reason that the word has been preserved, that men felt compelled to keep preaching it and keep speaking it and keep carrying it on, is because he wants you to live for him and he gave you the guidelines. He gave you the roadmap. He gave you, hey, this is where I'm at. This is how to find me and this is the direction that I'm heading. Jesus is heading in one direction. And that's to the Father. That was to the cross. And he says, if you want to come with me, anyone is welcome. I don't care what you've done. I don't care who you are. Anyone is welcome to come and walk with me. And that's why we have his word. And so Paul is one of these guys that got to pen down the scriptures. So when you read these words... It's not suggestions. You could look at it like that. But instead, I look at it as if I'm trying to follow Christ and he told Paul to write these things down to help me do that. And that's the destination I want to get to. I'm going to pay real close attention. You ever be driving and you're following the GPS and then all of a sudden you get to like a bridge that's out or a road that's closed and you're like, you know, the GPS only wants to take you through there. I'm like, the road's closed. How do you tell the GPS that, that I want to go the easiest way around this? And it doesn't seem to get it. But if you had an understanding of the area, I just happened to me last week. If you have an understanding of the area, if you have an understanding of where God's trying to take you, sometimes when you can, you hit a roadblock, you can just step back and say, well, I can't go this direction, but I have a good understanding of what God's trying to get in my life. So it's okay that this door is closed because I can go this way. And much like what Paul's doing here, we should take it and not as suggestion, not as, as um, just words, but these things that he wrote truly help us to follow Christ. I want Christ to be the center. Okay, here's how it is. Don't worry about anything. Instead, 
pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Let's, we're going to go right down to verse 13, okay, Mariah? Verse 7, then you will experience. Everybody say, I want to experience God's peace. Who wants God's peace? It comes from following Christ. So Paul's telling you, Paul says, we're going to get to 13. He's already, we already know where he's going. You can do all things. Well, how's he get there? What's his pathway to get to that scripture? Context in the word is very important. Sometimes you can take one scripture out and you can use it, but you have to, if you're a preacher, or if you're talking about that verse, you've got to have an understanding of what the writer meant in that, that verse, that chapter, that book, and ultimately who that guy was even sometimes of why he would write something like that. So context, we're going to get to 13. What's he telling us? What can you do? All things through Christ. I can do everything. I can do all things. Well, a couple of verses back, he tells us that his peace, he starts talking about, don't worry, put your trust in God. Don't worry about anything. Bring your needs to God. Be thankful for what he's already done in your life. And his peace will guard your heart's and minds as you live in who? In Christ Jesus. Who wants peace guarding their hearts and minds? I do. Who has been in a time where you didn't feel peace? Okay. <laughs> well, how do we get there? In Christ Jesus. Let's say it again. I'm going to really beat this thing. All things through Christ. Everything that matters and all things that matter through Christ's strength. There is no true peace. There is no true joy. All of those things are facades without Jesus Christ. Anything without him as the center is not real. It's who's seen the movie The Matrix? Now you haven't, if you've seen it, and that's that, I'm not even gonna explain it. If you've seen it, you got it. If you haven't, go watch it. Part one. It's this. Matrix. It's fake. It's not real. It looks good. It sounds good. They got the white picket fence and the family. Everything looks perfect. But without Jesus Christ as the center of everything, none of that matters. None of it. In fact, I was just thinking, we live in a time of peace, but I wonder what our lives would be like if the war that we're still, we still are at war as a nation, as I prayed. And just bless them, pray for them now. But what if that was right here on this ground, right here, right now? We'd think a little bit different. Just naturally, that's just human nature. And the reality is what I really felt the Lord wanted to get us to was this lifestyle of what you find this pattern of in the Old Testament is they trust God when they need him. And as soon as everything's good in your life, what's our human nature? I've got this figured out. Peace. I'm on my way. That's what we do. That's what humans do. And the reality is I really, really felt the Lord bring this home that if you will trust him in the things you think you can do, which you really can't, we've already made it clear that even those living without Christ, everything you have is from him. You've got nothing that you don't owe him everything for. And when you start doing the everyday, the normal, the mundane, just the things that we don't think we need Christ for, I know that's a harsh statement, but that's the reality. We do it. I'm just as guilty. I'm not preaching at you. I'm preaching to myself here. The things we do 
every day. We just think we got this. No, you don't. <laughs> you need his strength. You need him. And if we are firm in the days that are good and are pleasant, it's always, this is for my personal goal, the times when things are good and the times when money's coming in and everything's you know, going well in your life and the house, the roof's not leaking and things like that. I really tried to, I've made this determination years ago to just to stay in his word, to be praying. I've started praying. I pray for you guys more than you know. I'm not telling you that so that I get any brownie points or any pats on the back, but in, I just be praying. There's always somebody in something to be praying for, even if there's not an immediate, like dangerous, pressing need in your life. There's never a time where we don't need to just be before God and be thanking him and praising him. And you have real peace, not false peace. Because isn't it funny, I dealt with this guy once and uh, I was working out this deal to do some roof stuff for him and he was all bragging to me that he had just made a hundred grand in the stock market because it was really good in 08 and he had just done this like, you know, little, you know, threw some money in and it exploded and whatever. Well, coincidentally, and he's like, oh yeah, whatever you want, you want a glass of wine, we're going to do this roof, he's all nonchalant, moseying through his house. And then a couple of weeks later, we had a little market tank. And I said, he's like, we're going to do something different. And I said, well, you said, I was just, you know, I wasn't like arguing with him. I said, well, you said blah, 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 blah. He goes, well, it's changed. The guy's whole thing, I mean, this whole demeanor, everything. See, he, had, he thought he had peace before, but he doesn't have Christ. See, what you learn is, and we're going to get to that right now, what Paul's got. Real peace in Christ, all things, everything, it's consistent. It's steady. It doesn't really matter what the market does, what your body does, what your family does. None of those things matter. That's what's wild. When we truly get to the place where I know he wants to get us to in Christ, you're just steady. And then what does it say in verse 8? It says, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. He's just giving them, I want you guys, don't worry, stay in peace, start meditating on these things, but not in your own minds. He just told them the verse before, in Christ, meditate in, on these things in Christ, verse 9, and keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing, then the God of peace will be with you, verse 10. How I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. I know you have always been concerned for me, but you didn't have the chance to help me. And what he was talking about in this verse is he's talking about them um, they had just sent him some money, a, a gift. You know, Paul's a traveling guy. And so this church had just sent him some money. So he said, you know, I know you wanted to do it before um, and you just did it. I'm just, I'm thankful that I got it. And that's that in verse 11. He says, but he's thankful because for their, like it's for their blessing. I'm thankful that you did it. But what is he really, what did Paul say? What's the peace that Paul had. Why does he say, copy what I did? Why does he say, meditate like I do? Do what I do. Don't worry. Trust in Jesus Christ. Do what I do. What's he, what does he do? Well, he tells us what he does. Not that I was ever in need. Imagine saying, I've never been in need. I've never been in need. For I learned 
Everybody say, I've learned. This is something that Jesus Christ will teach you, and only in him can you learn. How to be content with whatever I have. And next verse, verse 11, verse 13. Um, There we go, 12, thank you. For I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. It means to be a base, to be low, to be high. I've learned it all. It, it just, it doesn't matter. What I've learned is that Jesus Christ is my treasure. It says in 1 Timothy 6, 6, you don't have to turn there, Mariah. Godliness with contentment is great wealth or great gain. Godliness, as Paul says, mimic me. And contentment, wherever you are, anything you face, the ups, the downs, you're just steady. That's how Jesus walked on this earth. That's why he comes into the storm and they're all freaking out. You know, the boat's going everywhere and he stands up and he's like, he was sleeping. Jesus is sleeping in the middle of the storm. He walked like Paul's talking about. Paul walked like Christ. Paul followed in the footsteps of Christ. And he says, I've learned the secret. It only says it in the NLT, this word secret, and the Amplified as well. It doesn't say it in King James, New King James. They added this just to really to bring it to life. And I love it because it's so true. I've learned the secret. Who wants to know the secret of life? The secret of true life. The world is searching for the secret to true life. Remember the book, The Secret? That's not the, that's not the secret. That's a lie. That's the secret lie, it should say on there. This is the secret. Jesus Christ is the secret. He's not a secret that we're going to hide or we're going to keep from this world. He's open to all. But it's the secret. If you get it, all things, everything, I've learned the secret of living in every situation. Now some of those verses, now I'll start to say them again. I am the only life. Now some of these verses, I can add that one word. I took a little license to add a word, but his word backs that up. It's, he's it. And when we get this, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. Now, verse 13, everybody loves to quote this. What is he saying? We come into 13, the context. He's telling, man, I can do all things. I've learned that it it just doesn't matter. I, I rely on him when I have much, too, is what he's telling us here. He's not just saying, oh, when I don't have it, I rely on Christ. He's saying, I learned to live a weak lifestyle. And I'm not talking about being weak Christians. But he's like, he says that I have decided to be weak because Christ is strong. In other words, there's nothing on me. I've got nothing. There's nothing I can do. There's no breath in my lungs. There's no feet that are carrying me from city to city to preach that I don't give it all back to God. He gave me it all. He made me. Imagine you in our human nature. Imagine us making a man and then watching that man being like, I got this figured out. You ever, I've heard this analogy, you ever, you're sitting in a McDonald's and your child, we haven't been in McDonald's in 10 years, so sorry, this analogy is not going to work for us, Red Robin, and your kids got fries, or somebody, if, it's, if you don't have kids, your spouse, and you go to take one, that's mine. <laughs> that's yours, huh? You mean, 
Where'd you get that from? Where'd you get that fry from? You realize that God gave us everything? And Jesus is not asking us to do something unnatural. It's a very natural thing that he's asking us for. He's asking us, hey, I created you. The only reason I had to come in such a dramatic way is because of your human nature to do such, like when we get away from Christ, I've said this so many times, the guy from Subway, where is that? I mean, what the heck? We start, we start going down wacky roads when, when we don't have God. Stuff, just crazy stuff. We start doing really wait, crazy, wild stuff. So Jesus comes on the scene 2,000 years ago, and the whole world, I mean, you got the Romans who have a myriad of gods, and the Greeks are right there too, right? Because, you know, the whole, thing, the whole New Testament's in Greeks. You got them all there, and they've got all their gods, and, and that's not even, then you've got his own people, the Jews. And they're like, oh, isn't this guy, isn't that the carpenter? Isn't this, isn't, who is this guy? And so Jesus Christ is the secret. He is in plain sight for all of us, but it's human nature to just grab him when we need him and to put him on the shelf when we don't. And I, I believe this is meant to free you. It's not meant to, there's, there's two words that we use in the church, condemnation and conviction. Condemnation puts a weight on you. You go home going, um, a woe is me. You know, oh, conviction says, you know what? I don't want to live without you, Jesus. I don't want to do anything else without you. I don't want to raise my kids without you. I think I'm picking a good school for my kids, but I, you, have, you know, God, you've got my life, you've got my heart, but I got this. We think we've got things figured out. Isn't that funny to say to God? That's like the child, you know, it's like, that's, this is mine. This is my area. You've got my heart. Oh, do I have your heart? Because you're not showing it right now. That's what he says to us in those moments. And I just wanted to end it with this. The biggest thing is that what it could do, and so I want to just take any burdens off, is you could be like, well, how do I ever know? How do I know if I'm giving it to God or if I'm not? It's very simple. I'm going to give you the simplest preschool. We could bring the kids out and I could teach them this. And they would get it. Spend time with God. You go to John chapter 15, where we were. Just didn't have the time, but I love that chapter. What's it talk about? Remaining in me and I'll remain in you. And he says, if you obey my commandments, then he says, then you can ask anything you want and I'll give it to you. Because why? Because you're not going to ask for anything that's outside of his will because his will is inside you. If you are continually... All, the, all things, everybody, let's just seal with this. In all things, in everything, Jesus Christ is your strength. Then you won't need to ask the question, is he first? Are you the center of the situation? There's going to be times where you are not praying before you do something. Believe me, okay? I'm a human just like you. We don't get up and pray about every little thing we're going to do on our day. But when you are continually spending time with him, and he is the center of your every day, when you get to the decisions, when you get to the questions, you won't call, your first instinct is not to call your friend. 
Your first instinct is not to go check your morning horoscope. Oh. Your first instinct is not to get on Facebook. Your first instinct is, Lord, I mean, it's as simple as this. You don't have to drop your knee. You don't have to fold your hand. You don't have to close your eyes. We can do those things. Those are religious things. We do them because I want to show him honor and respect. But in the heat of the moment, Lord, what should I do about such and such? You've already been walking with him. You're already going every day. He's your first instinct. So that then you say, all things. I've come to a place of peace. I've come to a place where you are just moving. And, and, and if you think that it's all going to be white picket fence and little dogs out by the fence and barking and birds chirping, that's obviously not reality. But listen, we can live like it is. We can live like it is. In Christ, Paul did. Paul wrote that. When he wrote this, I don't, I don't know, but it's, real, it's possible he was even in a prison cell when he wrote this. He was in and out of them so often, we don't, I don't know. And he wrote that. And the reality is, is when we get to that place that he's trying to get us to, you're just steady. You've got God's peace in you. And man, nothing shakes you. It's going to be good times and bad times, and it's always the same. I'm always trusting in Christ. I need his strength for the good times, and I need his strength for the bad times. And then let me say this. This is the last statement. If he's not your strength in the good times, the bad times come quicker. <laughs> they come real quick, real quick. Now, that's not God. He's not sadistic. He's not like, oh, I'm going to get them. I told them to follow me. It's because everything in this world, everything is against him. Nothing is for him. Everything you do, you get on Facebook. Okay, I'm just mentioning one thing because most people are, are on it nowadays. You couldn't say this sermon 50 years ago, but we can today. The reality is 90% plus, again, is not for Christ on there. But that's where we're getting all, we're, we're forming our opinions and our information and our thoughts and our processes and days and likes and all this stuff, likes. Where's the dislike button? We need that one. Let's just close in prayer. We thank you, Lord, that you love us so much that you gave us your word. The reason you speak to us is because you want the best for us. Your desire is for us to have peace in you. Your desire is to have us to have a way, us to have the truth, and us to have life. That's why you said it. And you are the Prince of Peace. So when you're in us, of course, Paul would write that he had peace because he was in him. You were in him. And we thank you, Lord. We pray, Lord God, right now, I just I pray for these people, Lord, those that are here in the seats and those in our body that are not here physically. Lord, we pray for this body in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray, Holy Spirit, this week, just remind us we're human. You're fully aware of who we are. Remind us to turn to you. Remind us, Lord, to look to you. Lord, in all of it, when we're going through good times and bad times, I thank you, Lord, all of it. There's, there is no difference in you walking with you. We thank you, Lord. It's not real anyway. We are spirit people. Our old man has died. We are seated in Christ. I thank you, Lord. Praise you. Give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen.